and I'm super excited that our kids and our teens are in here today. This morning we're going to be talking about what is a disciple. We're going to talk about what it is to be a disciple. And, and so let's get into it. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Amen. Okay. So here we are. This is our first thought. Very simple. What is a disciple? Um, on a very um, surface level, if we look at that, it comes from a Greek word for disciple. In the New Testament, it's mathetis. And mathetis, it just really basically means student or learner. That's it. Student or learner. It's, it's derived from this word manthano, and it carries this connotation of intentional learning by inquiry or observation. This is like asking questions and then like observing like a mentor, right? And learning from them and being a student. And so this is what it means to be a disciple. This is what this word means. In, in fact, this word even though we see it in the Bible, it doesn't necessarily have a spiritual connotation. You can be a disciple of a lot of things, right? You probably are a disciple of something. Just think right now, like what are you learning? Are you learning to play the piano? Are you learning how to golf? Are you learning how to program something on the computer? Kids, what are you guys learning? What are you learning this summer? Are you learning to read? Anyone in here learning to read? That's super cool, awesome. I have some teens raising their hands, good for you. It's about time. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, we're all learning something, we're a disciple of someone or something. And I, I think it's kind of interesting, this is actually also where we get our word mathematics from. Anyway, it's not my favorite subject, but <laughs> apparently it's like being a student or learner of like, I don't know, numbers or something. Anyway, that's not the kind of disciple we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the type of disciple or learner that I love, and that's a disciple of Jesus. And um, if we look in our Bible, and we're looking at this discipleship, mentorship kind of um, pattern throughout the Bible, we can see this in the Old Testament and in the New. So it's not just like Jesus and his 12 disciples. Like there's this pattern of discipleship throughout. We can see Moses and Joshua. Moses and Joshua. Joshua eventually was Moses' successor, and it's clear that they spent a lot of time together. When we look at the scriptures, we can look at Eli and Samuel. And Samuel, he grew up in the temple, and he was eating with Eli, and he uh, was taught by Eli, and he saw everything that Eli did. Remember that observation? He was observing everything that Eli did. And eventually, when Eli passed, then Samuel was um, the leader there. We can look at Elijah and Elisha which is my son's name. Everyone usually thinks he's Elijah, like the first prophet, but he's like Elisha, like the second. Just a little side note, we call him Eli, just to, you know, cancel out any confusion. But anyhow, but Elijah was instructed to anoint Elisha um, to be his successor. But, so he did that, he obeys. But before Elisha ever becomes his successor, he follows Elijah, right? Y'all remember that story? Like he just left everything and he just like followed Elijah and he followed and he learned from him. And then Elijah was taken up in that chariot of fire and Elisha took on that mantle. Okay, so we see these cool examples in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? We, we definitely know those, right? Um, we know about 
like the Pharisees, they said that they were disciples of Moses and they followed the Mosaic law. They're like, we're disciples of Moses. And then they like discipled other Pharisees and stuff. Okay, and then John the Baptist, did you know he had disciples? He had followers, he had disciples, and they sat under him and they learned from him. And then, guess, all, guess who else had disciples? There we go, one person knew it. Anyone else? Guess who else had disciples? Oh, good. That was better. All right. Jesus had disciples. Okay, good. Um, We can also see just this term disciple throughout. We can see in Greek history, we can see this system of education that was like really advanced, more advanced than any other education system at the time. And who's heard of Plato and his disciple Aristotle? Okay, and which is, this is kind of interesting. This plays into what we're going to be talking about here because um, the Greek system was so good that the Romans tried to copy it, but they like weren't really good at that. They were just like kind of concentrating on warfare and that sort of thing. So in order to teach their kids, they brought in these mentors to disciple their kids. And these were the captured Greek slaves that they brought in to teach their kids. And so guess what language the kids learn? They learn Greek. <laughs> and so the Greek language became the standard way of communicating, carrying out business, and so on. So then we fast forward. The New Testament is written in Greek. And we can see that the Greek origin, this is why we were talking about the Greek origin of the word disciple, which was Mathetus. Okay. See how he kind of came around? That was fun, right? All right. So now let's talk about who? Who is eligible to be a disciple of Jesus? So we've talked about lots of disciples, but who is eligible to be a disciple of Jesus? Everybody. Everybody. I love that. If I were to apply for Yale today, if I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go be a student at Yale. And I put in my application for the Ivy League. Do you know that there's like a 100% chance they would not accept me. (laughs) 100% guys, there's just no way. I just, they wouldn't, they would not accept me. Not all people accept all disciples, (laughs) but Jesus, he does. We see, we see in the, the scriptures that Jesus has the 12 disciples. Okay, kids, Help me. Count to 12. On your mark, set, go. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That seems like a lot. But you know, Jesus had more than just the 12 disciples. He did. Um, We can see in Luke 9, he sends out the 12 disciples. But then in Luke chapter 10, he sends out 70 disciples, or 72, depending on the translation. He sends them out. So wait, why? Why? Like, what happened? How did you go from like 12 to 70 all of a sudden? These are people who were following him and who were being discipled by Jesus. He had more than just those 12 disciples. Okay, so then what comes to mind, like how many disciples, how many disciples does God want? Like, what is, what is this magical number? In Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Let's read this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching, sounds like discipleship, right? 
teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, so Jesus wants us to make disciples of all. We see in Acts chapter 1. Um, there are 120 believers, and they're gathered together in this room. And then we can look, we kind of follow the story along in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost arrives. And the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they begin to speak in other tongues or in other languages. And we're going to read this together. I love this. This is so, so exciting, guys. All right, Acts chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. That sounds like a lot, right? Every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, the sound of this wind and the Holy Spirit, a crowd came together in bewilderment because, oh, the, so like they were filled with the Holy Spirit and were speaking in other languages and they go out in the street and like they're speaking in these other languages, these disciples of Jesus, right? And so the crowd came and they're bewildered, each one hearing their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Isn't that amazing? I love it. Someone's clapping. That deserves it. Wow. Wow, incredible. God is ministering to all these people that have come from all these nations. It's just like they were fulfilling the Great Commission, huh? They are. And then so they begin to preach to these people in these languages, and Peter delivers a message. And then if we skip forward a little bit to, to what happens here after this message is ministered in verses 38 through 41, it says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Sounds familiar. Great commission. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. If you are a child, which is everybody in here, everybody say, that's me. And for all who are afar off, which is also us, for all whom the Lord our God will call, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That day. How many, everyone? 3,000. 3, okay, so we went from like, we've got 12 disciples, 70, there's 120 in this room, and then we have 3,000. So incredible. I love it. Okay, so who are all these disciples? Who is God calling? He's calling all of us. And what I love is at its roots, the church is an inclusive, diverse group of people. This was Jesus' intention. This was his intention. I'm going to repeat that. At its roots, the church is an inclusive, diverse group of people. Who did Jesus call to himself? All kinds of people, right? Who did he eat with? All kinds of people. Let's look at some of these people here. 
The people who were respected, we think of like Nicodemus, or even James and John, the son of Zebedee. We see how Zebedee, there's a reference that makes us think he was probably a businessman. He had hired hands that worked for him. So the respected, but also the hated and the sinners as well. So Matthew 9, 9 through 11. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Who remembers what Matthew's job was? Tax collector. Boo, tax collector. They felt about the same as we do. All right, so he saw Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And so we have this idea, like, it looks like here Matthew invites him to his house, like, to come have a party. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors, the hated, and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why? Because we're all called. We're all called by him. He also calls those of different ethnicities, which we've kind of talked about there, all the people coming from all those nations that were there at the time of Pentecost. We also see this really beautiful story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And the Samaritans, he goes to this area of Samaria. He's walking through there. The Samaritans were descendants of the Israelites um, but they had intermarried with foreign settlers after the fall of Samaria, and which was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Got that. All right. So the Samaritan people of Jesus' time were the like the result of this interracial marriage that had happened. So the Jews did not look at them as Jews. They were this interracial mixed group. And they were not regarded well. In fact, they just went their separate ways entirely, and the Jews and Samaritans did not intermingle. But Jesus, he sits down and he talks to not just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman, right? This, this is mind-boggling. This does not happen. No respectable Jew would do this. But Jesus, he is perfect, and he does this. John 4, 7 through 10 says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And there's like parentheses here. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm, from, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So he is saying, this is for you, too. This is for you, a Samaritan, a woman. The result from this interaction that Jesus has with this woman we see in verses 39 through 42, and it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. She told them, and this is, that's part of the story. But anyhow, so the Samaritans, they came to him and they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days with the Samaritans. He hung out and rubbed elbows and ate dinner with the Samaritans. 
And because of his words, many more became believers. They became followers. They became disciples. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I love it. This brings us into the next, the next group of people that Jesus calls. It's really surprising and that is women. Because at that time, that women were not regarded very highly. <laughs> they were just to be quiet and stay in the home. And so Jesus even calls women. We can see this throughout. We see that perfectly in that <laughs> the Samaritan woman, beautiful description of just the heart of Jesus. We really see who he is there, that he loves everyone. And then we also see um, even when Jesus, he's on the cross, and, and it says that there's, there were many women there. They were standing at a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee. So over hundreds of miles, they had followed Jesus. And it says that they had ministered to him. And so they were sitting in on his teachings and they were learning from him. They were followers of Jesus. They were disciples. They were learning from him. And then even when Jesus is hanging on the cross, there's not anything they can do, but they are standing there and they are there. They didn't leave. They didn't deny him like Peter. No, they were there. And then when um, his, his body was put into the, the tomb, they, they came to bring spices. And who was the first that saw Jesus resurrected? The women. Isn't that cool? Because God loves us all. He makes it really clear. <clears throat> Jesus makes it really clear. This message is for everyone. I'm not, I'm not leaving anyone out. And then last but not least... Except in this society, they were the least. Were the children. Raise your hand if you're a child. You know what? This message is for you this morning. Jesus calls you to be a disciple. He loves you. We can see in Matthew 19, 13 through 14, it says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them because that was not like, you want to bring children to a rabbi or to a teacher. I mean, <laughs> they, they definitely, they don't even deserve this place and culture until they're like grown. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Amen. Children are included. Awesome. I love this. So I ask you again, so who is eligible to be a disciple of Jesus? Everyone. <clears throat> Everyone. That means you are eligible and I am eligible to be a disciple of Jesus. And not only are we eligible, we're, we're called by him. And um, so, so if we're called and we're eligible, then I think our next question is why? Why choose to be a disciple? Why am I going to choose this path of discipleship? Because when you look in the scripture, sometimes it seems kind of hard. No, you know, it's not all like walking on rainbows all the time. So why would I choose? Okay, so we've been in this Summer of Love series. And the very first message from Pastor Scott, so good, Pastor Scott. 
all, all of your messages are good, but I love this. <laughs> you can find this on, uh, you, if you weren't here, you don't remember, when I start talking about it and you're like, ooh, I don't remember that, you've got to listen again or you've got to go back and listen. I'm telling you, it's so good. You can find this message on our podcast. I think that's Generations Church Spring. Um, you can look gchurch.net. Just look at our website. If you have the Generations phone app, you can go there and like listen to past messages. Okay, so that one was called Living in Ultimate Reality. Go look for it. So good. You'll be blessed. So one of the things that he, he told us, and I'm just going to like re-preach like five minutes of that. Sorry. I'm just going to take right from it. So <laughs> he told us that Greek distinguishes between two words for life. So there's a suke or psyche type of life. And this life is just the life that, that we think of generally. This is this temporary life. You are born into this psyche life, just, you is just simply existing. Psyche life exists in time and in place. It has limits. It can be given up, it can be taken back. It, when, you, when you die, the psyche life is over. By nature, the psyche life is always changing. This is like your job, your family, your friends, your accomplishments, your interests, and all these things. Just this life is always changing and moving, which makes it pretty exciting and interesting, right? This psyche life that we have, this temporary life that we're all living. But Jesus is like, I want to show you something. It's like the secret that I'm going to unveil, I'm going to unwrap for you. And it's even better than the psyche life. He's like, He's like, there's like this whole other realm that you haven't even experienced yet, and it's called Zoe life. All right, this is so amazing. So this is associated also with the word aeon, which, is mean, which means eternal. So this Zoe life is outside of time as we know it. This life, this life, this Zoe life, it always was, it is, and it will be in the future. This eternal life exists outside of this created realm that we live in. It isn't sequential and it isn't happening in the future. It is happening now. It is happening now. This is what Jesus came to reveal. Um, what does the scripture say? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. Jesus also talks about being born again, and people are like, what does that mean to be born again? I don't understand. This is the Zoe life that he's talking about. It's very cool. So when you are living as a born again, you have this new life in Christ. You have the Zoe life just flowing in you. You, you know what? Suddenly you're like, it's like you're on the outside looking in. The cares of this world are suddenly just not so heavy. They are not, they're not so, it's not that they're not important. It's just they don't carry the same weight that they used to because they've loosened the chains and the hold that they had on you because you're walking in this new life with Christ and you are seeing things from an eternal perspective. You're not just seeing things as like sequential and, and then this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then, oh, what's going to happen after that? No, you're just like, I'm just trusting the Lord because I'm living in this eternal Zoe life and I know that the Lord has already taken care of these things. It's so such a wonderful place to be. Okay, so have you ever had a friend who was struggling with something 
And they, they came to you and they're just distraught and they're like, oh, I'm just really struggling with this thing. It's so hard. This thing happened and I just don't know what to do. And like, you feel bad for them and you are sitting there and you're really just trying to be empathetic and kind, but in your head, you are thinking, this is ridiculous. This has a very simple solution. This, like, she should not even be upset about this or he should, what is he worried about? Like this because you're on the outside looking in, like you see it clearly, it's, it's just not even a big deal. Like you know it's not a big deal, but you're trying to be nice. <laughs> and so you try to like really gently show your friend like, it's, it's gonna be all right. You know, this, here's maybe a solution to what you're going through and you just know, you just know it's, it's gonna be okay. It's, it's not that you're rude, it's just that you know because you're on the outside looking in. That's what it means like, or that's what it's like when you're living in the Zoe life. You're living in kind of this, outside looking in and you're like, it's going to be all right because God's got this handled. It's, there's so much joy in this life. It's literally just thrilling. Um, I want to read from Matthew chapter 13 verses 44 through 46. So the Zoe life, this is what gives you access to the kingdom of heaven. You've been born again because the kingdom of heaven is also eternal, which also means that it is happening now in the past and the future. So it says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then his, in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Can you imagine being like so excited about something? You'd be like, I'm just selling everything because I know what great treasure that is. I know what that pearl is worth. I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to go get that. And that's what it's like for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is like, I came to preach the kingdom of heaven. There's something so much greater than this psyche life that you're living in, this very temporary life. There's so, something so much greater. It's exciting to be a disciple of Jesus, guys. It's exciting. It's new life. It's a life that is free from all the things that weigh you down. Um, anybody ever watch shorts? Anybody ever, you know, like, like me, you're on your phone and you see like one of those little video shorts and you watch it and then like you watch the next one. Is it just me and you watch the next? I know it's not just me. I mean, you watch the next one and then, okay, so um, I, I have a YouTube premium account, which means I don't even have commercials. So there's nothing stopping me. I'm just like, <laughs> and I do use YouTube for like learning, but then every once in a while I get a little distracted. So anyway, there was a short that I watched recently and I thought it was pretty good. It was, it was kind of a long short, but anyhow, <laughs> is that a thing? Um, <laughs> a long short. But um, there is, um, I've been studying Spanish, so this was actually in Spanish, and there was a, a man, he's in Mexico, and uh, he's one of those, like, content creator, he's always, like, doing kind of, like, good deeds for people, and so he's always offering people a choice, like, do you want this or this? And, like, the thing that might be the less obvious choice is actually, like, the bigger blessing in a way. So, so he is in a marketplace area, and he is, he's, he has a doll, and he has a loaf of bread. And so he's going up to um, little girls who are with a parent. And let me just say, before I tell this story, even if you think something's cool, kids, and it might be on YouTube or it might show up on TikTok and you think that might be really cool, don't talk to strangers. If they come and try to offer you something, you go straight to your parent. Don't talk to them. 
Okay, but he was there, he was only talking to people who were with their parent. And so he would go up to the little girls and say, would you like a doll or a loaf of bread? And several little girls chose a doll. Who wouldn't choose a doll? I would choose a doll, you know, as a little girl, I want a doll. But one little girl, she started to reach for the doll and she pulled her hand back. And then she kind of did this. And you could see this conflict inside of her. And she chose the loaf of bread, which makes me want to cry. She chose a loaf of bread, and uh, he asks her, why did you choose the loaf of bread? But she saw the treasure in that loaf of bread because she had been hungry. And she and her, it was just she and her mom, and her mom kind of explains the story of how it's just the two of them, and they're really struggling, and, and they're struggling to make ends meet. And so, so then he gets to tell her, tell them both, well, this isn't just a loaf of bread. This is actually a cart loaded with groceries. And he gives them this huge, just overflowing cart full of groceries and fulfills that need. And he doesn't just give them that, but he also gives them a wad of cash. <laughs> she could go buy all the dolls, but I bet she didn't. I bet she used that for the things. They used that for what was needed. But it was, it was just really beautiful. And I, I thought, that's like choosing that treasure. That's like, it was like she made a decision to give up the doll, which she would have loved because she saw the treasure in that bread. Do you know what Jesus says? He says, I am the bread of life. Do you know what? We too are given a decision. What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the bread of life? Do we see who Jesus is and the treasure? Do we see the kingdom of heaven that he's brought to us? Or do we choose the thing that satisfies our immediate need, our immediate want? You know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes because we're praying and we're thinking, Lord, I just, I just really want this thing solved. Or I just really want um, your help in this one area. And the Lord's like, I really want to help you in all of the areas, right? <laughs> he doesn't want to help you in just one. He wants to help you in all the areas. And, and like, you know how that girl, she could have used the wad of cash to buy 10 dolls, right? Sometimes we go for the doll. We go for the small thing. And the Lord's like, if you just choose me, you'll have everything you need, right? You have everything you need. Okay, so we've talked about why we might want to be in a disciple. So let's talk about how to be a disciple. Okay, how, how do we do this? We, we've made the decision. We want to follow after Christ. We want to be a disciple. We want to live in that Zoe life. We want to experience the kingdom of heaven. But I'm, I'm going to again read Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And we often call this like the Great Commission, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So let's look at that. It kind of outlines like not just making disciples, but then like if we're the ones being made into a disciple, like what does that look like for us? The first thing is get baptized, right? The second thing is learn and the third thing is go, because the cycle repeats, and we're to go and make disciples. So what is baptism? Maybe, maybe you have been baptized, but if you haven't, um, it's, 
it is a symbol of that new life in Christ, that choice to follow after the Lord. It's a public declaration of your commitment to follow the Lord that you've decided, I'm going to be a disciple of Christ. If you are interested in being baptized, and you know what, this is for who? Everyone. Because who is called to be a disciple? Everyone. So if you're a child and you make that decision, you can be baptized. If you are 82 and you make that decision, you can be baptized. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter if you came from another faith or if that you just really see yourself as a sinner because Jesus calls you into discipleship and he calls you to have new life in him. So to be baptized at our church is really simple. You can just contact the church office and say, hey, this is Amy Tice. I'd like to be baptized. And they'll say, okay, great. Here are all the details. We'll set up a date for you. Okay, simple. So you can call the church office. You can email them. I'm sure the details are in your bulletin. Uh, email is office at gchurch.net if, if it's not. Okay. So baptism and then learn teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you, Jesus says. So we need to learn. We need to learn to follow Jesus' teachings, all the things that we've been commanded by him. We've been in the Summer of Love series, right? In 1 John, this is like written to the church, talking about how to walk as disciples, what to watch out for, like the why of following, uh, the one who is light in life. Uh, we see in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. So here's that part. We've got to learn him. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Like you cannot know Jesus and like do your own thing. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Because when you're a disciple, you are learning and you are applying, you're observing, you are doing, you are even like mimicking, you are learning to be like your mentor, which is Jesus here. Okay, so how, like on a very practical level, how, how do we learn? How, do, how are we a disciple? How can we be a disciple? Just take a moment and think about what have you learned already? Just in, in your psyche life, right? That just temporal life, what have you learned? Like, can you dance? Who in here likes to dance? Anyone? Yeah, have some people who like to dance. Well, I like to dance. I'm not good. I didn't take lessons, <laughs> but I still enjoy it. But some of you, you've learned to dance, and you're good at dancing. It's awesome. What about playing baseball? Who in here can play a good game of baseball? Like, you've taken some lessons. You know how to hit the ball. I know we've got a baseball player over here. Um, who um, has done some further studies and has really studied something challenging and learned it? Maybe in school, maybe in college, you've learned something challenging, yeah. So all of us have learned something. So you can really kind of step back and think, what did I do to learn that skill or that, that challenging material? How did I learn that thing at work? It's kind of the same sort of process, really, as being a disciple and taking time to learn from the Lord. So I, I'm just going to tell you something that I've been learning. Now, if you're close to me, you already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but I've been learning Spanish. I really had tried learning Spanish on and off for 30 years. 
which I know was amazing because that made me like negative five, right? But <laughs> I wish. Anyway, <laughs> for 30 years, off and on, I tried learning Spanish and it was not successful. I could say a few things, but not not very well. I couldn't really have a good conversation with anybody. And um, I just, I actually had kind of thought, I've, I've already peaked with my Spanish. This is as much as I'm ever going to learn. And he, I didn't really think that I could go any further. But a year ago, with renewed commitment and excitement, I decided to attempt. Y ahora? Hablo español. No hablo perfectamente, pero si yo hablo. And now I speak Spanish. I don't speak perfectly, but I speak. I can, yo puedo tener una conversación interesante con otra gente. I can have an interesting conversation with other people. Don't speak perfectly. But I've learned so much. Guys, it's like incredible. It's so exciting. I love it. <laughs> I'm so thankful. I really consider it un regalo de Dios, a gift from God. Really, I really do. When I started this journey, or not long afterwards, I had told Mariela, she might be here somewhere, I had told her, there she is, I told her, I want to learn Spanish with like all my heart, right? I don't know if you remember me telling that, but I remember telling you, I said, I want to learn with all my heart, I really want to learn Spanish. And, um, and I say that is kind of the key with discipleship, right? This key of like, I really want to follow the Lord with all my heart. Maybe you have tried in the past and you have tried to follow the Lord and you've like tried to keep his commands and you've like tried to study your Bible and you've tried to come to church and you've like tried to worship and you're just like, I didn't really understand it. It didn't really seem to get very far. I feel like I've kind of plateaued. I felt like I hit my peak. I don't think that I can get really any further. I'm just going to come sit in church. Hey guys, you are here. Praise God that you are here this morning in church. You are make it in that process of being a disciple, right? We're all disciples in this room. Praise God for that. So anyhow, if you have felt, felt that way, like maybe I already hit my peak. No, may God give you a renewed excitement and joy for learning and for growing and for knowing him. So what are some keys? There's some steps to learning as a disciple. So I'm gonna say the first thing is get a mentor. Okay, this is really easy. Can I tell you how easy this is? Like, you have one. <laughs> we have Pastor Scott, and then even the people that you, you have come up and minister. But Pastor Scott, he's a mentor to all of us. When he stands up here to minister, um, it's not like just to talk for an hour. You know, like he's not just here just to talk. He's here to mentor us and to teach us and to help us so that we can grow, so that we can learn more, so that we can continue in the Zoe exciting life that Christ has given us. He's a mentor to us. And you may even see the other people in the church, and you're like, wow, that person is just, they just love the Lord so much. And you're like, I want to learn from them too. You know, and you can, you can. It's not enough to to try to do this on your own. So, so part of me, you know, not being successful of learning Spanish for 30 years, like I had to change something, right? I couldn't just keep doing the things I did before because nothing worked for 30 years <laughs> of trying to learn Spanish. Did not work. And one of the things that I tried to do was just try to learn it on my own. I was nervous about, you know, like getting together with other people or trying to learn with other people and I thought I might fail and I didn't want people to see me fail and da 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 da, da right? And so I just was kind of trying to learn on my own. 
But one of the things that has been so helpful is that in learning Spanish, I have a mentor. I have someone that I can talk to, and she's, she's just such a beautiful person, and she will correct me <laughs> if I make a mistake. But in such love, I never, feel, um, I never feel embarrassed. I just feel like, okay, all right, I learned that word. I'll write it down in my journal, and then I'll keep going. And, and I have someone that is very patient who will talk to me, and I'm so thankful for her. I'm so thankful for her friendship. I'm so thankful for her mentorship that she teaches teaches me Spanish. I needed that all along. Okay, so step two in how to be a disciple, study daily. I know that sounds hard, like study daily. But guys, I'm going to tell you, relating back, I'm going to relate back to Spanish, all these little steps here. So relating back to Spanish, sorry. <laughs> I'll try not to talk about it for like the next month so I don't bother you too much. Because <laughs> if, if you're close, Mel's like, I've heard all this about Spanish. <laughs> Anyhow, and my husband too, he's like, oh, please, Amy, just talk in English. <laughs> but Anyhow. The second thing is study daily. And, and I have to study daily because if I don't, it's like, th- I start, it starts to slip because it's new information and it, it's things that I haven't quite processed and walked out yet. And so I have to like really literally practice daily like something. And, and practicing Spanish daily is sometimes just like, some days it's five minutes and that's all I can muster because I'm exhausted and I had a really long day and I'm just like, let me just like open my Duolingo app and like practice one lesson and okay, I did something, you know. But we can, but you know what? We need to do that with with the Lord, with following the Lord, we need to study daily. We need to open his word daily. And of all we can do is open the Bible app on our phone and read one passage or read the verse of the day and say, thank you, Lord, for that verse. And we just let that verse minister to us. We've done something. And doing something is more than doing nothing, right? I mean, yes, it is. So if all you do that day is you mutter a 30-second prayer for somebody and you open your Bible and read a scripture or you listen to a worship song because all you can do, like you can't even read anything. You just listen to worship, just Lord, thank you for this day. I just praise you. Some days you can do more. You'll find that some days you have lots of energy and you can like really dig in and you're like saying the word like, oh wow, look what God showed me today and it's really awesome. Like you're going to have those days too. But let's just be real. We have the, I can't do anything days, right? We have those. Okay. So here, here are just some really practical things that you can do that, uh, to study, to study as a disciple, to be a learner, right? You can go back. So chances are you miss a Sunday from time to time. So if you miss a Sunday, go back, listen to the mentor that you have and learn what it is you missed. And then go back and other messages, like maybe you heard, it's been a while, go back, listen again. Um, When I study Spanish, I keep a journal and I write little things that I'm like, ooh, I I need to learn that or I need to remember that. So do that, do that when you're learning as a disciple. Go write, keep a little journal and write a scripture down. You're like, oh, I need to remember that scripture that ministered to me. Or, oh, that thing that Scott said, wow, Pastor Scott just he, that blew my mind. I've got to write that down. I, I want to remember that, right? So write those things down. We have home life groups. Visit home life. 
come to the uh, adult Bible study on Sunday mornings. Um, Wednesday night, we have first and third. We have a men's Bible study the second and fourth Saturday. We have a Spanish Bible study for women on Fridays at 7 o'clock. We have Kids World every Sunday morning where your kids, kids, you guys, get a chance to be discipled on those mornings. Teens, you're in here on Sunday mornings, but you also have teen group every second and fourth Sunday. Like, there is something for all of you. There's also the prime time event that's happening after service today. There are ways for you to get involved and to study and to be discipled, right? Right here in our church. Another thing, another key. Um, if you don't have the Bible app on your phone, but you use your phone, um, this might not be great for everyone. If you're like, I don't really look at my phone except for when I have to call someone. This isn't for you. But if you're looking at your phone a lot, um, there's a the Bible app. It's literally called the Bible app. It's by you version. Get that. It has resources on there. You can do like little Bible studies. It even has this thing, like it will kind of show you like a streak of how many days you've been on the Bible app, like how long you've been reading your Bible. <laughs> so that might be motivating for some of you. For like teens, that might be motivating for you just to kind of see, okay, I did it. Every day I've got on there and I've read for a little bit and I've read, because it has the Bible, you read the Bible, but there's commentaries, there are Bible studies. It's, it's pretty cool. Also, I encourage you all, <clears throat> something else that's kind of neat, there's something called um, Bible Project, or the Bible Project, but you can find that at BibleProject.com. And these are like videos, animated videos, really cool. Your kids might even like them. Teens, we, we watch those a lot with Mr. Derek. Um, there's reading plans, there's other resources. So these are really practical things, you guys, that you can do to have that daily time spending with the Lord. Okay, it's worth it. Everybody say it's worth it. Worth it. Say it again. It's worth it. Worth it. <laughs> All right. Third thing is persevere. That's like those days when you feel like you can't, <laughs> but you do it anyway. And studying Spanish, I've had days where I thought, I don't understand this concept. I don't understand how to conjugate that dumb verb. <laughs> I can't get any further. I don't think I can do it. But I just go ahead and do my study for that day <laughs> without a lot of hope. <laughs> but I know it's a process and I'm just going to be patient. And you know what? I look back and I'm like, oh, now I don't have that problem that I had before. Now I can conjugate the dumb verb, <laughs> you know? Now I can do it. I'm saying that because, anyway, there's lots of conjugations and verbs in Spanish. But anyway, it's... It's okay in your Christian walk when you feel like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't even understand what Pastor Scott preached on. I, read, I opened my Bible and I didn't understand what the Bible said. That passage made no sense to me. I just read it and then it was like nothing. <laughs> you know, that happens. That's okay. What do you do? You persevere and you just do it anyway. And after a while, you're going to look back and you'll be like, I totally understand that. Now I know what Pastor Scott was talking about. Now when I read that verse, it all makes sense. Like you are going to realize when you look back because you persevered. If you don't persevere, guess what? You never grow. You never go forward. Okay, last, last little practical tip of how to be a disciple is this. Practice. In Spanish, I have to practice in real life conversations. So if you are in this church and you speak Spanish, I've probably said, por favor, hablas conmigo en español. I've probably said, please speak to me in Spanish. <laughs> and, and so really you can blame this on my mentor <laughs> because 
because she's like, you've got to get out there. You've got to like practice with other people. And I'm like, no, I feel too nervous. And I don't know. And I don't know. What if I don't understand someone when they're talking to me and all this? And she's like, just do it. <laughs> you've just got to practice. You just have to do it. You have to talk to people. Guess what? As Christians, we just have to do it. We just have to talk to people. We just have to practice our faith and what we have learned. And you know what? Through that, God is going to move. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of others. Isn't that beautiful? It is awesome. So, so practice doesn't mean you have to be perfect. You may always hear that little thing, practice makes perfect. <laughs> you have to practice and you have to learn. And that's how you grow. And it's okay if you're nervous. And it's okay if you feel like you're going to stumble and like you're going to look stupid. It's okay. Just go ahead and do it anyway. And practice what you've learned. Speak to others what it is that you have learned. To be a disciple, we are baptized, we learn, and then we go. And we go and make disciples of those around us. So now we know who a disciple is, or what a disciple is. We know who is eligible. Everybody say, that's me. That's me, I'm eligible. We know why we choose this life as a disciple, and we know how to be a disciple. So I, I encourage you in this moment, consider your current position. What or who are you a disciple of currently? Are you a disciple of the YouTube shorts that you just can't seem to look away from? <laughs> are you a disciple of what's going on at work? Are you a disciple of um, it's baseball? Are you a disciple of singing? Are you a disciple of, I mean, there's so many things we can be a disciple of. They're not all bad, but are you a disciple of Christ? Those, that same effort that you're applying in those other areas of your life, are you applying in your Zoe life as a disciple of Christ? Are you applying that same effort? Are you being that consistent? This is my encouragement to you all to consider that. And if not, today, I just pray that the Lord stirs in you a new excitement and joy for being his disciple. At this time, we're going to have prayer partners that are going to come to the forward, or that are going to come forward, and they're going to pray with you if you need prayer for anything this morning at all. If you're like, man, I just, I need to just renew my commitment as a disciple to Christ. This is a great time just to pray with someone else, to make that kind of public with someone else. I'm, I'm renewing that commitment today. Or maybe you have something else that's going on in your life, and you just like someone to pray with. Please come forward and pray with the prayer partners this morning. They love to to just talk with you and pray with you. And uh, if everyone, you can go ahead and stand up. Thank you so much for coming this morning, from hearing from the Lord, for being disciples this morning. Kids, teens, it was amazing having you in service with us this morning. To say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. You all have a blessed week.